psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'm actually very much encouraged even about this year, just spending time in the presence of the Lord and experience God for who he really is. Amen. You know that sometimes we just hear about God, but this year we want to experience him. Amen. Sometimes when you are in his presence and you experience him, then you realize a lot of things don't matter anymore. You've got something greater. Amen. You've got that peace of God that tells you everything is fine. Amen. And it's also that as the Lord is encouraging us this year about spending time in his presence, about fellowshipping with him, there is also a great revival that is coming where the glory of the Lord will be manifested in this earth. So that indeed the church will be known as the, pres- the place where the presence of the Lord is. If you look at our world today, people are in turmoil, in trouble, chaos all over, sufferings all over. But God wants to deliver his people. And he's going to use you and I. He's going to use those that are hungry for him. Can we just start with Luke chapter 19, verse 11 to 13, King James Version, Mr. MJ. Um, <clears throat> I just want to show you the task at hand, Luke 19, 11 to 13, KJV. Because we are here for a purpose, we are here for a mission, and we are here for a period, a certain period. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Mm -hmm. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Amen. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds Mm -hmm. and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Amen. I like those last words. Occupy till I come. It means we are stewards. In other words, somebody has the kingdom, but he gives you the chance to say, take charge. I'm coming back. But keep my things in order. Amen. So in other words, he gives us the the assignment and he says, May you be taking care of the things that I have given you on this earth. I'm coming back. So when he says, occupy till I come, maybe just tell your neighbor, occupy till he comes. Okay. When you occupy, it means you don't get displaced. Amen. So there are a lot of places where the enemy is displacing you. Okay. So the children of Israel, when God gave them the promised land, he gave them the place and he said, bit by bit you must occupy. Take charge. Bit by bit. Amen? In other words, the world mustn't infiltrate you, you must infiltrate the world. Occupy till I come and let the kingdom of God continue to expand. Can we go to the book of 
because I just want to encourage you that this occupation, we won't be able to occupy on our own if we do not experience the change that God has in our lives because it is God who is bringing this change in us. It is God who is transforming our lives so that we can be empowered for the task at hand. So can you just read Luke, for us Luke 24, 49? Because we will not be able to accomplish the work of the Lord unless we are empowered. So we are continuing with what we started the other week about empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I said for the youth, you can say powered by the Holy Spirit. Isn't it that you may have a small car, but if it's got a strong engine, you know it's powered by Mercedes. It's powered. Then you can look at this car on the outside and you undermine it and you want to compete with it. Then you will be surprised because it's got a different engine. Amen? So in other words, the outer looks, people may be deceived by looking at you on the outside. But if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit you can show what the kingdom of God is like. So read this one, Luke 24, 49, New King James Version. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Amen. So he says, I want you to go and do my work, but wait until you are empowered. Amen. So today I want us to take an angle where we look at if you do things without being empowered, you may still achieve few things, but you won't be as effective as the one who is empowered. Amen. So I will show you from scriptures where you would find a timid person like Peter. You remember Peter denied Jesus three times. He was very much scared. But after baptism of the, with the Holy Ghost, you saw how he was confronting them. We cannot stop, but speak. Amen. Tell us if we should listen to you more than we listen to God. He was a different person. He was a world changer. But before this time, he was a timid Peter. So it means if we are not empowered, even the results, even the things that we will achieve, they will be very minimal. This year, actually, as I'm spending more time in his presence, I'm just seeing the Lord even changing people's lives somewhere you don't even go to people. People come to you and say, Pastor, pray with me. The Lord has spoken to me that in this area, things have to change. So since the beginning of this year, I've even had cases of people who don't even church with us coming to say, Pastor, pray with us. There is this sickness that has been tormenting us for long, and we are trusting God, and we believe that if you pray with us, it will all be right. So where you see that the Lord himself is working now. And it's even more better when it is him doing the work. Amen. Amen. So he says, occupy till I come, but I want to empower you to be able to do my work. So now look at Acts chapter 4. We'll do it 13 to 21 and then 31. Because I just want to show you this change that comes if now you operate with the Holy Spirit and when you occupy, o- operate on your own, even as a church, 
if we occupy without, if we do things, if we operate on our own, we will have man-made programs. But if we allow God to take control, sometimes he will even disturb our programs. You know that sometimes we've got so much strict routine that you don't even allow God to be God. Amen? Because we want things to be done in a certain way. But when the Holy Spirit comes, there may be some shaking. There may be some changes. Now, go to this Luke chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4, 13 to 21 and then 31 in the New King James Version. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Okay. This is the same Peter who before baptism, this is now chapter 4. It's after they were empowered. You remember the Peter who was afraid. I don't know this man. Now they see the boldness of Peter and John. Okay? So it means even for you, all of us, if we are going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, people will see that you are a different person. You are a different person. And they even get surprised, is this one so and so? He is different. Maybe in the past you were very much short-tempered. You always used to shout at the children. Now the children are surprised. What has happened to mommy? Something has changed. Amen? Because now the Holy Spirit is at work in my life. So he says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, mm -hmm. and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Okay. So it means sometimes people look at you and undermine you because of your background. But they don't know that you are empowered or you are powered by the Holy Spirit. So they, they undermine you at their own peril. Even the devil, if he undermines you, he undermines you at his own peril. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Sometimes you do not really acknowledge who you really are. And you do not know that. And you allow the enemy to intimidate you. Like the children of Israel, Goliath comes there and he says, who is a man that can fight with me? And he says, I defy the armies of Israel. And they were very much scared. All of them were running away. But when David came, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who can talk about the living God like that? So if you know who you really are in your relationship with God, you will be bold. You will not be easily intimidated. Especially even in the era we're getting to with this revival, there will be a lot of things where you will need this boldness. Where you will need to be bold and declare the will of God in a place where you go, and you occupy and take possession. Okay, so they realized that they were unlearned and untrained. Mm -hmm. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, that is the difference. So, irrespective of your level of education, your level of training, if you've been with Jesus, you are going to be mighty upon the earth. Amen. Amen? So it means all of us were included, isn't it? God can use any one of us mightily, with or without training, with or without education. Amen. Because this is about the power of the Holy Spirit, not about the power of human intellect. Okay? So, they realized that they were with Jesus. That's what made the difference. Like I said, when I'm spending, the more time I spend with the Lord... Even my perspective on things change. 
Because I'm seeing God in everything. You see, if you are so much detached from God, and you are always focusing on your problems, your problems will look bigger than they really are. Amen? Whatever you focus your attention on, it becomes bigger. Amen? So if you focus your attention on that problem, you will think that you've got, that problem is insurmountable, and it's as if your life is full of problems, and we ask you to count them, you find there are only three. But you were thinking you've got problems all over. There are not as many as you think. Amen? Continue. And seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to this man? For indeed, that a notable miracle had been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. Okay. Let us severely threaten them. Tell your neighbor, the enemy likes threatening. Yeah. So even when you are here, he's planning to say, how are we going to threaten her? Yeah. They must write her that letter of demand. Let's threaten her. And then he's challenging your faith. And you need to be bold and face your situation. Amen. Amen. Because the enemy likes threatening and intimidating. And as he is, here they are conniving to threaten them. So that they must stop. Continue. That from now on they speak to no man in this name. Mm. So, <clears throat> so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak these things which we have seen and heard. Do you think the Peter who was saying, I don't know him. I don't know him. Hey, I don't know this man. Do you think he would have spoken like this? Because these are the very people. Actually, those ones were even, it was just witnesses saying, no, we, we had, he speaks, this one is Galilean. Even the language is, Hey, I told you I don't know this man. He was scared. But now he's in the midst of those very people who could have done him harm. He says, tell me if we should listen to you more than we listen to God. We cannot be threatened. We cannot be intimidated. Why? Because now they were empowered. Continue. So when they had further threatened them. So the threats, tell your neighbor, threats won't stop. But don't be intimidated. Yeah, some of you, you, you know, even when you move from here, sometimes you are even in church, and instead of you focusing on what the Lord wants to deliver you on, the enemy is threatening you and telling you things that you can't even concentrate. Concentrate. We are giving you armor. Amen? So that you can be bold and face your situation. And you can know that you are empowered. You have received the power from on high. You have received the dynamite. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Read, read verse 31. So they went and prayed with their beloved, and then verse 31. And when they had prayed, 
the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen. Tell your neighbor we need boldness. Amen. So it means there are many things where you are just not effective, not because you don't have what it takes to win, but because you're not bold. Amen. Some of you are still trusting God for your driver's license. You know that you are a good driver, but when the traffic officer is here next to you, sitting next to you, you are intimidated. And your food is going like this. You can't, you can't apply brakes or thing when the food is going like this. You know what to do. I remember when I was supposed to be going for the test. So I told myself in the, my frame of mind, I even told the traffic officer, I want to give you a lift. I want to give you a ride. Come. Amen. So in other words, in my mind, I'm giving him a ride. Amen. Yeah. Take it like that. Because if you go there intimidated, you are going even to make mistakes where you are not supposed to make mistakes. We need boldness. Amen. Especially when you know who is empowering you. Because actually, you might be like I said, Peter was a fearful man, but he became bold after an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, even a simple man like Saul, I like this Saul story. Go to that first Samuel, chapter 10, verse 6, NLT, and then we will do it 9 to 11, good news. First Samuel 10.6 NLT. I want to show you what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I think the other week when I was here, we prayed even for baptism with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And we said, we want the power of the Lord to, in, to be upon us. So that even wherever we go, we go with the power. We are empowered. When you are empowered, you will be bold because you know who backs you up. Amen. You know who is backing you up. First Samuel 10, 6, NLT. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. I like this thing. When the Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon a person. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. Mm -hmm. mm. And you will prophesy with them. Mm. You will be changed into a different person. Amen. Can we be looking forward to this? You see, some of you, you think you are fine, and then you are not thinking of any change. Can I tell you, in this revival that's coming, the Lord is going to use the unexpected. Some of you who think you are far ahead of the others, you will be surprised the people whom you thought were very much behind, the Lord is using them. Because they are changed into different people. And some of you who are comfortable and you think it's all fine, you just where you are, then you will miss out. Because here it says, you will be changed into a different person. And then, verse, good news, verse 9 to 11. When Saul turned to live Samuel, God gave Saul a new nature. I like this new nature. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when the power of the Lord powerfully takes us on, he gives us a new nature. So that even what we are going to do, we know it's not by power nor by might. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and everything Samuel had told him happened that day. Mm. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him. 
Suddenly, the Spirit of God took control of him, and he joined in the ecstatic dancing and shouting. You see, this is not usual. <laughs> Now the king is joining in the ecstatic dancing and shouting. Why? Because now the spirit of the Lord is upon him. Amen. That happened also with David starting to dance and all that and the wife even said, what's happening with this man? Okay? Mm -hmm. People who had known him before saw him doing this and asked one another, what has happened to the son of Kish? Has Saul become a prophet? Okay. Until such time that people can ask can start noticing a change in you. It means you haven't had the encounter yet with the Holy Ghost. There should be that change that will be very evident. People should start saying, what has become of you? What has happened? You were always a depressed person, not even giving anybody a smile. You know there are people who even pride themselves in not giving anybody a smile. Hmm? You were always like, People have to be scared of you. But now all of a sudden, you are such a friendly guy. What has happened? Amen? Something has happened. I'm a changed man. Amen. I've had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. I'm a changed man. I'm bold. I'm friendly. Amen? I'm peaceable. Because things have changed. Some of you were very stingy before. But when you've got an encounter with the Holy Ghost, we're surprised. You are such a giver, such a generous giver. What has happened? Something has changed. The Holy Spirit has come powerfully upon you. Because you see, sometimes if you try to tell people who are not changed, you tell them to give. Hey, that's trouble. Because nothing has changed. But when you are impacted by the Holy Spirit and you start saying, actually, this is all what God has blessed me with. I want to thank him for his blessings upon my life. I appreciate this. And I just want to say thank you, Lord. Amen. Because you are a different person now. Amen. This change, this difference, it also happens even in a church setting. That's why for me, I'm very much excited about this revival that's coming. That the church of the Lord will be restored to its glory. And like I said, the glory of the latter church will even supersede the glory of the church in the book of Acts. Because that was the early church. So when the Lord comes back, he must find a glorious church. More glorious than even the, the, the first one. But let me just show you. I will show you here now in scriptures. When the church is there and the Holy Spirit is not yet among them, you will see the results that they have. And I want you to compare it with the time when the Holy Spirit was there with them. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 in the King James Version. You remember Jesus when he was on the earth? <clears throat> How many apostles did he have? How many disciples did he have? Twelve. You remember? Twelve. And they were named. You remember that? So we could say that was the, almost like the church of Jesus, the, the, the circle of Jesus. And I believe they were ministering, as they were ministering, some people joined them. But now here in the book of Acts chapter 1, We are given the number of, now the total number of the disciples. This is before the Holy Spirit came. And I thought, since Jesus was with them, and now even after Jesus had left, they had this number. Listen. 
Acts chapter 1, 14 to 15. <clears throat> These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Mm. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. How many were they in total? 120. 120. And you know why verse 14 also talks? It's, there are sometimes when you will hear the Bible say, not counting men and children, women and children. Here now they said, counting also the women. Did you see that? Yeah, verse 14 says, they were all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. And in those days, so there were 120 in total. You get that? Now, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes, I want you to see how many they become just one day, one day harvest. Go to Acts chapter 2. Now it's after the Holy Ghost. You remember in chapter, chapter 2 verse 1, when the Holy Spirit came suddenly, coming like a rushing mighty wind. Then they started now ministering. So this is what will happen. The things that you were doing, trying to do with our own strength, you will have a certain level of what you think is success. But now when the Holy Spirit takes over, you are going to have mighty move. Amen. Amen. You are going to have things that are incomparable with what you used to have. Even in your own life, where you were always trying to do things in your own way, trying to figure out things, when you start handing things over to God and say, Lord, take control. I'm not going to be worried about this situation. I want you to take control. The Lord will take control. Like I'm saying, this year I'm really seeing the Lord keeping on doing things. Uh, one of the other ones was actually as late as yesterday. This person we had agreed with the... So this person had a problem with... It was in a family, so the husband had a problem with the wife. And it was a serious thing. The husband was bold enough to come and share with us. They, they are not uh, close even in vicinity. So now, we agreed with the husband and we prayed. But we said when we go to talk with the wife, we won't talk as if the husband highlighted the problem to us. So we prayed that day. Yeah, it was somewhere in December. And then the intention was that we are going to have time to talk with the wife so that at least we can counsel her and this and this and this. Now, I was phoning that person just to say that so far, since that prayer, because we agreed that we're not going to talk as if you told us anything, I just want to inform you that we haven't forgotten. He said, what? You know, the very first day we finished the prayer, that person now, things have changed. I thought you've talked with her. Things have changed completely. From that day, things have changed completely. <laughs> then I said, sure. The Lord is amazing. Yes. Because we pray, and now we're still thinking, yes, we need to have time, and really, how are we going to approach her? Because, by the way, you also need to approach her in a way that she doesn't know that the husband told you. Because it would just be more trouble. Okay? 
when we are still thinking, now this man is surprised actually. He said, no, I thought, I thought you talked with her. Because that very day, up to today, things are completely different. Then again, the Lord amazed me. I realized, sure, many times we struggle unnecessarily. Can we just believe God? Can we just trust God? Can we just declare things and be in the presence of God and let God be God? Amen. Amen. So now look at this. Acts chapter 2, 38 to 41. You will see now when things, when the Holy Spirit takes control himself. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is gentle. He will not force his way. You've got to give him a space. You've got to give him a platform. He is easily grieved if you want to do things your own way. He will not force his way. Okay? We hear usually people saying, but if God is God, why is this and this happening? Why is this and this? Why is this and this? Then God is not showing that he is God. He wants only to come in if invited. He doesn't push his way through. And he does not force. If he does force, he should have forced Eve not to eat of the forbidden fruit. You remember? Yeah, he should have stopped there. But he didn't because he created us with free will. But now when he says occupy till I come, he's giving that authority to us. And he says, I'm not going to interfere with the authority I gave you. Um, all I can do is I empower you so that you can do the assignment at hand. Now, listen to this, Acts 2, 38 to 47. Then Peter said, Again, is that bold Peter now? Because from chapter 2, verse 1, when the Holy Ghost came upon them, changed man. Now, the bold Peter. Mm -hmm. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, so this gift, we need this gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. You need to just receive. Mm -hmm. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this outward generation. Then, then they that deadly received his word were baptized, and the same day there they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Okay. 120 for some, I think it was probably some years here. Because from the time when they were with Jesus until this time, maybe it was few years, maybe three years, four years, whatever. 120. Now, the Holy Ghost has come in one day. How many were added to them? Now you can see it's an explosion. Amen. Amen. It's different now. So that's why in this move, in this revival that's coming, we have to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. We've got to allow him to take control. We've got to allow him to move among us. Like the testimony I just gave you now. He's just doing it himself. Amen. He's just doing it and showing that he's God. So some of you, you would find some people even coming to you and saying, I'm tired of living this, this life. 
I want to go to, to, to come to the Lord. Can I go with you to church? And you realize this is the guy who was very difficult all the days, all the years. Now that the Holy Spirit is taking control, now that the Holy Spirit is moving himself, things are different now. Where you had to struggle a lot, now you start thinking things are different now. Amen. So I'm saying to you, if we allow the Holy Spirit to take control, he will move. But then sometimes because of our own routine, we hinder the move of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that sometimes we may even be in worship and you are worshiping and you are worshiping and I always tell the worship team, worship team, if let's say we are worshiping and this worship song is the one, even if it's the only song throughout, there's no problem. But because we've got a certain things, a certain way of doing things, we want to stop this so that we go to that and go to that and go to that. So the sensitivity is very important because then you may find actually that was the one. Now, when you change that, then you feel something happens. Then you realize, oh, we missed it. Okay? So it means whether it's in worship, whether it's in anything else, we need to be attuned to the spirit of the Lord. But now because of our programs, even in church, we've got programs. You may find when people come, they now start knowing, okay, this is the program, that's the program, that's the program. There's nothing wrong with programs. But our programs should be subject to the move of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. We've got to plan like people. We can't just say, we'll just leave everything and not plan and not pray. We've got to plan, we've got to pray, we've got to prepare. But then we've got to allow God to move anytime. Let him be in charge. Let him take control. It will even help. Do you know that when people come to our churches, especially the church of today, they usually have an encounter with people and with programs than with God. In many cases, you will hear people talking about a person after church or talking about a certain program after church and rarely talking about how I experienced the move of God. How I experienced, how God touched me. Amen? So we want people now to experience God. To experience the Holy Spirit. Not to experience our programs. Now, when the Spirit, if we allow the Spirit to move the way that he does, he will disrupt some of our programs. Ms. Musimango talks about it will be business unusual. Yeah. It's not going to be business as usual. Go to the book of First Kings. Chapter 8, verse 10 to 11, New King James Version. I want to show you that even when we minister, there are times sometimes if the glory of God comes, sometimes you won't even know where to start. Amen? Because the Lord himself has descended. You know, you remember when we started, I told you, those of you who were here in January, I said, what we are talking about, the presence of God. You see, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Okay? But that's one level. When we talk about the glory or the kabod or shekinah glory, we're talking about the manifested presence. It's like the concentrated presence of God in a particular place. When you've got that, 
That's very different from the omnipresence of God. Okay? Now, listen to this. You will see, we know that the Lord is everywhere, isn't it? But when the Bible talks about him coming to fill a place, things are different. Amen? It's not just the omnipresent God, but it's the God who has decided to be in a particular place. And we cannot contain God, but when he wants now to manifest himself in a particular place, then things would be different. Read that one. 10 to 11. 1 Kings chapter 8, 10 to 11. And it came to pass, when the priest came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Okay. So, in the Old Testament, when the presence of God came to a particular place, it would sometimes come as a cloud or as a fire. Okay? Now it says, then the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 11. So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. I want you to listen to this and may the Lord open your heart to understand this. The manifested presence of God came among them in a way that the priest could no longer even continue to minister. It was disrupting their programs now. Okay? So it says, the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, because even when um, I told you the other time, I said, Ish, I know we are praying for this revival, we are praying for this mighty move of God, but the question is, are we going to be able to, to contain what's coming? We are used to a certain way of doing things. Amen? But it says here, the presence of the Lord was so heavy that the priests could not continue to minister. So it's like, now you just, where, where do we go now? It's so heavy. And, and now the worship team, you guys just can't even move there. And it's as if, okay. So they could not continue to minister. The ministering of the priests is a good thing, isn't it? It's a good program. But now the presence was so heavy that they could not continue to minister. So I'm saying as we are looking forward to this mighty move of God, we should be flexible enough that he will sometimes disrupt our programs. Amen. 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 And let's allow him to take charge. Let's allow him to move among us and to do for us the things that needs to be done. And by the way, we need to be hungry for that glory of God in the church. If you look at the church today, people are usually talking about people in church than talking about God. It means the glory has departed. Amen? You remember Ichabod? The glory has departed. So for the Israelites, the glory of God was in the ark. So when the ark was captured and taken away by the Philistines, And then they said, the glory has departed from Israel. So it means similarly, when you find that churches are now like social clubs, churches are like, it's people are just talking about people, it's it's factions in church, it's so and so, and a person is actually even known more than Jesus in the church. 
Then it means the glory has departed. Ichabod. So we need to start saying, but things cannot continue like this. We want the glory back. Can we all say we want the glory back? We want the glory back. Amen. Because the early church had the glimpse of glory. But we should even have that glory back even more than that. Because we are in the last days now. I believe God is ready for the grand finale. He finishes in style. Amen. Amen. May the ending be far superior than the beginning. But it will only happen if we've got people among us who say, we realize that the glory has departed. So when we are talking about church, we're not talking about just Jesus the Savior. We are talking about the church, the body of Christ. Okay? And you look at the state of the church today and say, is it glorious? And if you look in South Africa, why people are saying all religions are the same, it's because they cannot see our God being distinguished. Isn't it? They think we are all just religions. These are the days when you remember in Israel it once happened until the time when Elijah said, we are tired of this thing. Where people keep on saying, Baal is also God, God is also God. Now, if God is God, let him be God. If Baal is God, okay guys, let's go out and let's see who is God. You have your bulls and you make your offering, but you mustn't have the fire. So if your God is God, he must bring the fire. Okay? I will also do mine. And then, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. That's fair. Amen? So in other words, you mustn't say to, I mustn't say which religion, I wanted to mention it, let me not mention it. So you, might, you mustn't say to people of other religions, ours, you know ours is the right one, because Jesus died for us and this and this and this. They also think theirs is the right one. Amen. May God show himself strong on your behalf. You will always hear the Bible say, so that they may know that there is God in Israel. Amen. So people have to know that there is God. So instead of us being uh, threatened by the enemy, and we allow this glory to depart, the glory must not depart. But it takes certain people to come out and tell us, certain people to come out and say we are hungry for God, we are hungry for the presence of the Lord. If you don't do that, and we look at the state of the church today, and maybe you keep on just criticizing and laughing. If you just open a TV channel and see what's happening in what is called a church, you will feel ashamed. Okay? It means the glory has departed. And we need to feel the pain that the glory has departed. So can we have some people who will be saying, we want to pray for the glory to be restored in the church. Amen. We want the glory of the Lord to be restored. Go to the book of First Chronicles. Chapter 13. We'll read 1 to 14 in the Amplified Version. So I want to just show you that this glory, there should be people among us who are hungry for the glory to be restored. It won't just come automatically. Even any great revival that ever took place, it depended on few people who were hungry for God. 
So are there some people among us who are hungry who says, Lord, have your way. Lord, here I am, send me. Like Isaiah. Amen. If you just continue business as usual, you will not experience the revival. You need to say things have to change. We want the glory back. First Chronicles 13, 1 to 14 amplified. David consulted the captains of thousands and hundreds, even with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send abroad everyone to our brethren who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and the Levites in the cities that have suburbs and pastorlands, that they may gather together with us. I want you to look closely at verse 3. Mm-hmm. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we did not seek it during the days of Saul. Amen. I like that. Tell your neighbor the days of Saul are over. The days of Saul are over. Amen. So he says, let us seek and bring again back the ark of God among us. For we did not seek it in the days of Saul. It was captured during the day of Saul. You remember? It was captured. And then they did not seek it. So when we say that the glory has departed, and you look at the state of the church and you see that the glory has departed, it needs some people who will say, let us bring back the ark. Let us bring back the ark. We want the ark back. We want people to experience God. We want that when people come to the church, let them experience God. If people come broken-hearted, if they come oppressed, may they experience God more than experiencing human programs. So he says here, let us bring again back the ark of God to us, for we did not seek it during the days of Saul. Now, it's one thing to have the hunger for God and to want the ark back but it's also another thing to be prepared to take care of the ark when it comes back. So that's why the Lord is training us now. Okay? So that we will be ready, we will be faithful stewards who can be trusted to handle the mysteries of the kingdom. Amen? Holiness will be key in the times we're living in. You keep on hearing, repent. Repent and let the Holy Spirit move among you so that times of refreshing will come. You will not be able to host this glory that is coming unless you are living holy lives before God. Amen. Amen. So when we are asking for the glory back, when we are asking for the ark back, are we well geared up for it? Look at what they did. Okay? So the desire is right. We want the ark back. So let's see how they get it back. And all the assembly agreed to do so, for the thing seemed right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from the Sheol, the brook of Egypt, to the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath Jearim. And David and all Israel went up to Bala, that is to Jearim, Kiriath Jearim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there 
the ark of God the Lord, which is called by the name of him who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio his brother drove the cart. And David and all Israel merrily celebrated before God with all their might, with songs and lairs and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. So this sounds good, isn't it? With tambourines, with cymbals, with trumpets, saying we're bringing the ark back. Continue. And when they came to the threshing floor of Chido, Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark. For the oxen that were drawing the cart stumbled and were restrained. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he touched the ark. And there he died before God. You see, I used to always wonder, what wrong did this guy do? I mean, the cart was falling, man. And he was now helping so that it mustn't fall. But look at this. So, they say we want to bring the ark back. Happy, everybody come, let's go guys, we get the ark back, let's get the musicians, let's get everybody, let's moving. Now the ark is like falling and then somebody tries to catch it and then he was smote dead. Okay, smitten dead. And then, look at David now. And David was offended because the Lord had broken forth upon Uzzah. That place to this day is called Perez Uzzah. The breaking forth upon Uzzah. Mm. And David was afraid of God that day. I want that. I want the fear of God to come back to the church. Okay? While you were doing things the way you want and you were taking things casual. It's time when we say we want the ark back. But the fear of God must also be back in the church. So David was afraid of God that day. It means before this he was taking, sometimes taking things for granted. Now he started realizing this is serious. So look, he was afraid of God in a way that he even thought, "Eh, the ark mustn't come to my place. Listen, continue. And he said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? Oh, but you said you wanted it. Didn't he say he wanted it? Now, take it. You realize, uh uh-uh. Continue. So David did not bring the ark (laughs) home to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Jetite, a Levitical porter born in Goth, Rimon. Okay, did you, are you seeing something here? They wanted the ark. Now they realize we are not ready for this. We are not ready for this. Okay? Let, the ark shouldn't come to my place. If this is what the ark comes with, uh-uh, to the house of Obed-Edom, continue. Let's see what happened in the house of Obed-Edom, verse 14. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. I want you to look at something. The ark, to some people, is a blessing. To other people, it's a curse. You remember even when the Philistines took that ark? By the way, this is the very ark that where we say Ichabod. When the, Israelites, when the Philistines had captured the ark, and they took it, and they were celebrating it before their god, Dagon. And Dagon was 
falling, crashing down. And from there, they started getting sick with boils and all the things until they said, uh-uh, we cannot contain this. Get rid of the ark. Even David now, after this incident, he says, uh-uh, not in my home. It goes to the house of Obed-Edom, and it's a blessing. Amen. Amen. So it means as we are looking forward to this mighty move of God, there will be a lot of people who will feel blessed by that move, but there will also be a lot of chastening. Okay? Chastising and things that are not right where if you're keeping on taking chances, (laughs) you'll be in trouble. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? Mm, Ananias and Sapphira was in our era. It was after the Holy Spirit came. Remember falling dead in church? Mm. So it means we need really to be very much ready and very much well prepared when we want this ark back, when we want the presence back. Now go to chapter 15. Now they do it right. Go to chapter 15, First Chronicles 15 from verse 1. Now you will just see that you see the word of God is so good because it tells you how not to do it and then all of a sudden it tells you also how to do it. So I actually felt, Lord, when he was revealing this to me, I felt it's good, Lord, that the time when we were saying we are ready for this revival, it didn't come sweep throughout straight away. You're getting us there, getting us ready, getting us prepared so that we will be able to handle the glory that is coming. Can I just tell you, do you know that the electricity has power? Hmm? If you handle it well, it will benefit you. If you mishandle it, you will realize that thing is dangerous. Mm. So, we should actually know how to handle this power of God. You don't know how to handle it. And you're handling it uninsulated and then you will realize this is powerful. But unfortunately, it's powerful in a wrong way where some may even lead to death. Okay? But if we know how to handle the glory, we will enjoy the blessing. Remember Obededom. Three months only, everything he does is blessed because of the presence of God, because of the ark. But now listen to this. First Chronicles 15, 1-3. David made for himself houses in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God okay. and pitched a tent for it. Now, now he is preparing, you see, Let's talk, let's say prepare. Prepare. In chapter 13, they said, let us bring back the ark. Everybody, let's go, guys, let's go. Let's go. We don't hear of any preparation. Now, it says David prepared. We know the ark is coming, but let's prepare. Continue. Then David said, None should carry the ark of God but the Levites. Okay, now he's also saying, guys, not everybody can carry the ark of God. You know, there is this thing where sometimes in church people just do things and think, I can also do that. I can also do that. Uh uh-uh. uh. The era we are going to, you can't just carry things unless you are uh, authorized to do that by the Lord, unless you are equipped, unless you are. Allowed to handle that. You can't be playing church and keeping on holding sacred things. 
Okay? Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, they died even in the era we are living in. That was the era of the Holy Spirit already. It was not the era of the law. Okay? So we've got to be very careful and let us prepare. So prepare. Mm-hmm. So no one may carry the ark mm. but Nash. the Levites. Yes. <coughs> mm-hmm. But the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. You see? So now he's starting to say there are actually people who are chosen for this task. We are going to start respecting that. This is the work of the Levites. This is the work of the priests. And we want to honor that. Verse 3, then we go to verse 11. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. Again, you hear the word which he has prepared for it. So David says, let me prepare. I don't want us to suffer the same fate we suffered a few months ago. When we try to do this on our own, without seeking the face of God, without preparing. First Chronicles 15, 11 to 16. New King James still continue. And David called for Zadok and Ab- Abita, the priest, and for the Levites. So he's calling the priests and the Levites. Mm. These are the people that should carry the ark. Mm. Not everybody can carry the ark. Mm. Okay. Now they want to do it right. So David prepares the place where the ark should come to. But he doesn't say, because I'm a king, I'm going to carry the ark. He says, I'm a king. I'm from the tribe of Judah. Okay? I'm not a Levite. I'm not a priest. So the Levites, this is your responsibility. Continue. And he said to them, Mm -hmm. You are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites. Hmm. Sanctify yourselves. Okay. Sanctify yourselves. You see now, so the ark, they haven't gone to take it yet. You see what they are doing? David says, I've prepared a place for it. But then the people who should actually carry it is you Levites and priests. Now, you also, you need to sanctify yourselves. You need to be pure. Okay. You know what used to happen in the Old Testament? The priests in those days, again, this thing of when you go to the presence of God, so it was so serious that they would have, uh, they would have bells. You see, their garments would have bells under them. You see, like when, when they are walking and that people outside, they, if they hear, ding, 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 they know that the priest is still alive. Okay? <laughs> so, what they did, because nobody was allowed in the Holy of Holies, so when they go in, they would tie a rope on their foot, and then the rope remains outside. Then you go in. And if all goes well, we'll keep on hearing, then we know that that's fine. Okay? And then if we hear nothing for some time, then we know you are smitten dead. Okay? So what they used to do then, because nobody can go and fetch them, because if you go also, you will also die. Fortunately, then they had a rope. <laughs> so they pulled them out. Okay? So he says, even though you are Levites, even though you are priests, sanctify yourselves. Amen? Sanctify yourselves. So I'm saying this thing of repentance, of really saying, Lord, am I in the right track? 
I know we are going to handle holy things, sacred things. But we need to be sanctified. So sanctify yourselves. Mm -hmm. Both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. You can see a lot of preparation. Eh? Mm -hmm. Now read verse 13. <laughs> when I found 13, then it answers why Uzziah had a problem. Now read 13. You see the Bible answers itself. Mm -hmm. For because you bore it not as God directed so, at the first. Sorry, verse 13. For mm -hmm. because you bore it not as God directed at the first. Okay, um, do it in the New King James, NKJV. For because he did not do it the first time. For because he did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. Did you get your answer? So he says, now we have to do it right. We have to do it right. Guys, you know the first time we did it, we did not do it the right way. Okay? Now we've got to do it the right way. We've got even to consult him about the proper order. You heard that, isn't it? You can see now they are preparing for the ark. So as the church, we should be prepared for the glory that is coming. So continue reading it. So he says, because you did not do it the first time, the Lord God broke out against us. You remember that word, broke out against Uzzah. Perez Uzzah. Broke out. So that's what caused that. But because you did not even consult him about the proper order. So verse 14. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. You see, now they are doing it God's way. Now they are doing it God's way. And I can tell you the ark will go. The ark will come back. Because now they are doing it the right way. Continue. The ark is coming back now. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments of music. So, Miss MJ, it seems even your team should be prepared for the glory that is coming. Mm. Mm -hmm. Strange instruments, harps, and cymbals by raising their voice with resounding joy. Mm. So the Levites appointed Haman, the son of Jewel, and his brethren. Go to 25. <coughs> so, David, so David, the elders of Israel, and the captains of a thousand went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy. Hmm. And so it was when God helped the Levites who bought the ark of the covenant of the Lord. You see, now, the, now God is involved. Tell your neighbor, now God is involved. We want that. We want that. We want God to be involved. We want God to be involved in our situations. We don't want to do things our way anymore. Even in your own life, say the time of Saul is over. Continue. And so it was when God helped the Levites who bought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with a robe, with a robe of fine linen, 
as were all the Levites who bought the ark, the singers, and the Chananiah, the music master with the singers. David also wore a linen effort. So I can see the order here. So that's the order he was saying. We didn't even follow the order. Now we want to seek God's order. How are we going to do it, Lord? Guide us. And then they said, even according to what Moses had ordered to us, according to what the word of the Lord has said, the Levites, you are the people who should do this, but you must sanctify yourselves. We're getting ready. David, prepare the place for the ark. All of us. Mm -hmm. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with, with shouting and with the sound of the horn, with trumpets, with cymbals, making music with strange instruments and harps. It's good now. Uh -huh. And it happened as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David. You see, now it's reaching the city of David. Now it's coming to its rightful place. The ark is being restored to the church of the living God. Mm. Mm -hmm. That Michael, Saul's, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David willing and playing music, and she despised him in her heart. Okay. So this is the other thing. Miss Musimango, the other time she was sharing with us about how when the move of God is going to take place, there are threats. You remember even when we talked about those threats that the apostles were talking about. But now, even when the glory comes back, even when now you allow the Lord to use you, even some of you, like you remember others are saying, oh, is this Saul, this? Instead of them joining in, they are observing. Now, people are rejoicing and clapping and rejoicing and David is dancing before the Lord rejoicing and now Michal the wife just watching looking and then despised him in her heart so it means some of you when the spirit of the Lord has come powerfully upon you some of the things you will do there will be some people around you that may despise you even people sometimes close to you because they haven't experienced what you experienced. You know how David answered her. By the way, she became barren from that moment forth because of that. But the way David answered her, I like it. David says, because she was saying, oh, today even the daughters of Jerusalem were really seeing, eh? They were seeing things. You were dancing undignified. Don't you know that you are a king? Don't, sometimes don't people tell you like that because... When you are in church and then your husband is ashamed of what you are doing in church. Uh-uh, tell them they mustn't be like Michal. Mm. So now David says, I was dancing before God because I know what he did for me. He took the kingdom from your father and he gave it to me. That's why I was dancing before him. He sorted there, isn't it? <laughs> Beside the other sorting of barrenness and that he says, no. I know what this God has done for me. He took the kingdom from your father and he gave it to me. That's why I was dancing like that. Amen. So sometimes the things that you do, people don't know why you're doing what you are doing. They haven't experienced God the way you did. Some of you, God healed you when you were terminally sick. Now it's time of worship and you are worshiping and jumping and people don't understand why you're dancing like that. Why you're worshiping like that. Okay? God has done something for you. So spectators, it's because God, you haven't seen God yet. Okay? So when we are worshiping, when we are praising, 
You're just holding your hands and you're looking at the lights. Then it means nothing has happened to you. Okay? So we're saying don't be a spectator. Think of what God has done for you. Even just to keep you alive. Okay? Some of you should have been dead by now. But the Lord protected you. The Lord preserved you. If it were up to the devil, he should have killed you already. Okay? You remember the other time when you thought you had come to the end of your life and you wanted to commit suicide, but you're still here. Amen. Amen. Now you've got all the reasons to praise God. You've got all the reasons to praise God. And when you do things, people may sometimes even despise what you are doing. It's because they haven't experienced what you have experienced. You have had an encounter with God. You know what God has done for you. Amen. I know what God has done for me. When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back. I will never turn back. I know what he has done for me. So let's descend now and let's land with 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we are descending now. We've begun our descent, First Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10 in the New King James Version. So you saw who were supposed to carry the ark back. Who were supposed to carry the ark back? The priests. The Levites, the priests. Okay, priests were from the tribe of Levi. Okay? Now, it seems now it's you. Read. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. New King James Version. But you are a chosen generation. Mm. A royal priesthood. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm a priest. Yeah. So, being a priest is not just a title. Because some of you, you like positions. <laughs> okay? It's responsibility. What do priests do? Priests, he will tell you what you should do. A holy nation, mm-hmm. his own special people, mm-hmm. that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into Amen. his marvelous light. So, you are priests. You proclaim the praises of God. You offer sacrifices of praise unto God. You are priests. You, can, you are the people who actually can bring back the ark in the, cover, in the church of God. You are the people that can bring it back. Amen? But you need to be sanctified. You need to be ready. But you are priests. Tell your neighbor you are sitting next to a priest. Amen. And we should be priests who know what our task is. Our task is not to complain. Our task is not to gossip. Don't use your mouth to complain. Don't use your mouth to gossip. Your mouth is supposed to proclaim praises unto God. You are a priest. Okay? As a priest, you also need to plead the case of people to God. Okay? A prophet is usually a spokesperson from God to people. A priest from people to God. Okay? So it means as we offer the sacrifices of praise unto him, We also want to pray for this upcoming revival. We want to pray for the mighty move of God. We want to pray that the ark be restored. The ark comes back to the house of the Lord. 
and we have prepared for it. We've prepared for it. And we are ready to experience the presence of God. Now, let me conclude Yeah, the last two scriptures because I just want you to understand this now. We talked when I began that if we do things on our own, we'll have some limited level of success. But that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at allowing God to take charge that he will move mightily among us that where we were 120 for some years, now 3,000 in one day. That's the move of God. Where you were a timid Peter, now you are bold. Now you can talk with boldness and you are not afraid. Okay? Where you were a mere soul, now you get the presence of God in your life. Now you get the presence of God in your life and now you are a different person. So that's what should happen, even for us now. In your own life, desire that change. Repent and desire that change. Even for those of us who say we are priests, let us be sanctified. Okay? In your own life, things that you were struggling on your own, allow God to take control. Go to the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 23 in the... NLT. Galatians 4, 21 to 23, NLT. I know that beside us and the church and we being servants of God in the church, but we also have individual needs, things that we want to achieve in our own lives. Even there, may you allow God to take control. May he order your steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes you find that you're struggling, you're trying this and that, you're trying to pull this and that. It's not working. Now it's time to let go and let God. Amen? Amen. May God come and take control. Take control. Read that one. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, Mm. do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures says, say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. Mm. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Repeat that statement. That's a powerful, loaded statement. You know how we beget Ishmael's? It's when you do on your own, you want to try and bring back the fulfillment of God's promise. Repeat. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. You see, so it means Ishmael was born because somebody was trying in human strength to bring the fulfillment of God's promise. Don't you have sometimes where God has promised something and now you think of plan B? Plan B. Just in case God doesn't do this, we have got a a second plan. So he says, Abraham had two sons. One promise, one human effort. I believe even in the days we are living in, we are faced with those two choices. Promise, human effort. Those are your two sons. Isaac and Ishmael. Okay? 
Are you going to go for human effort? I've already told you, human effort without the spirit, you may get something that looks like success, but it's limited, very much limited. But when you let God take full control, then you will see that he is God, he is unlimited. So repeat that and then complete it, verse 23. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Mm. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. I like it that way. Which son do you want? Ishmael or Isaac? Okay. So let's then be people who wait on the promises of God. And not make human effort to try and bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. We've got to believe God that he is able to fulfill his own promise. You did not make the promise, so you don't have to be under pressure to fulfill the promise. You just need to obey God and let God fulfill his own promise. Then you will have an Isaac. But if you do with human attempt to fulfill God's promises, then you are going to beget an Ishmael. And the problem, when you go down, you will hear that they say, this Ishmael is now keeping on con- contesting with, with Isaac. That problem is still continuing even in the days we're living in. Because somebody beget an Ishmael. Okay? So even in your own life, may we be people who wait upon the promise of God. And let God take control. The last scripture we'll end with this one, Luke chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, New King James Version. Because this is what I'm sensing. As the move of God is coming mightily among us, I told you from the beginning of this year up to now, I've already experienced a lot of what God is doing. And it's just amazing. Then I can see that God Himself is taking charge, He's taking control. Amen. Amen. And let's allow him to take control. Where you were toiling a lot in your own effort, it's time now to rest in God. And allow God to take control. Read. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Hmm. So he says to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your, cat, your nets for a catch. We, we are looking, I'm looking for a catch. Big catch. Okay? But now listen to Simon. Because some of you are feeling like that. The Lord is telling you this. Sometimes your spirit is catching up with things now. With a revelation you're seeing, I should just let God take full control of the situation. But now your mind says, read. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Okay. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. But what was the difference? They toiled all night with Jesus. Uh -uh. (laughs) You toiled all the night because you were doing it in human strength. Yeah. You have toiled all the night and caught nothing. But it's different now. The days of Saul. David says, we did not seek him in the days of Saul. Now we want the ark back. Amen. 
We have toiled all the night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. Continue, because now we want to see if they will toil and catch nothing. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Amen. I like that. Are you anticipating that great harvest? That great catch? The things that you were thinking, that you were believing God for. It says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can think or ask. According to his mighty power that is at work within us. It's not going to be by human effort. Let's allow the spirit of the Lord to take control. So we are going to thank God for the word that we've heard. And after that I would ask the worship team to come to the fore. Do for us, let's acknowledge the spirit of God among us. And then we just acknowledge the spirit of the Lord among us. And if there's any of you who's not feeling well in your body, we'll come to the fore and the Lord will heal you. Actually, when the atmosphere is like this, it becomes very easy to receive your healing. It becomes very easy for you to receive anything you need from God. Because now you can see how great your God is. The revelation that now it's, it's coming into your spirit. Your spirit is saying, yes, yes, yes. I can see it now. Amen. Amen. So we'll stand up. We thank God for the word that we've had. Worship team, you come to the fore. You can thank God from your posts. And then we are going to do and we just acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Lift up your hands and let's worship him. And those of you who need prayer for healing, you come to the fore. We're going to pray for you. And God is going to heal you. He is the Lord, your healer. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We exalt your holy name, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you, mighty Father, for such an encouragement. Thank you for empowering us, Lord, with your presence.